Amy and I, when we first moved back from Australia, it was about <clears throat> 10 months ago, we were excited about moving to Georgia for many reasons. I mean, these guys, so many other reasons. But one was that we would be able to afford, potentially, to buy a house. Because living in Sydney, Australia, is like living in San Francisco or New York. I mean, the house prices are out of reach. We, we lived in, a, in an area where the house prices went, when we got there, from like 700000 to $1.5 million in just a short time. Yeah, no problem. Um, and this was, you know, 45 minutes out of the city. It's not like we were in, you know, downtown. So there was just, it was out of reach. So when we got here, we got excited. We started looking for homes. And um, we're like, that's only $300,000? It's like five bedroom, you know, massive, you know, place. that would go for a million, two million um, where, we, where we were in Sydney. And we're like, whoa, this is incredible. And, and so we looked and we looked and we looked and we realized that coming back, we had to take care of a few things before we bought a house. Well, recently we've gotten back in the market. We're looking around for a house. And um, that's been, it's been exciting, I have to say. We're, we're excited about it. We've put an offer in. We low-balled we low a little, so I doubt they're going to accept it. But, you know, we put an offer in. That's a start. And um, I've been going to um, the, all the websites. I've been looking at the auction websites because this Tuesday I'm going to the courthouse steps. And, you know, who knows what will happen. Just crazy things. Um, but it's one of those things and I'm sure you've had many, many of these in your life, it's one of those things where any free time I have, it's like, I, you know, I'm taking a moment, you know, um, and grabbing a coffee or something. What's on my mind? House. House is on my mind. I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, is, is that thing still there? Is it, is it still there? You know, has it changed price? Did they lower it? It's just, you know, it's, it's going, it's going, it's going, it's going. Um, and so, you know, whenever you, you've got something going on in your life that's a big thing, it's right at the tip of your thoughts. You get distracted from whatever you're doing, and that's what's on your mind. And that's been me. House has been on my mind. Um, I can remember, you know, on a more serious note and something that, that, that was more weighty, um, I remember when Amy came home um, a few years ago from being in the city at a clinic getting scanned. And we thought... No problem, you know, they, the, she went to the doctor. The doctor thought that they saw something on some imaging that, and wanted to get it investigated. And they're like, oh, I can't, it's probably not anything. So she goes downtown. I go with my wife everywhere if there's even a chance of anything serious. I mean, I'm like, you know, maybe a little overdone. Um, but this one, I'm like, it was just such a long, she just went down. I had something on, so I didn't go. Well, she comes back. And they, they tell us that she has breast cancer. And Amy comes back with this book and, and says, okay, here's the book they gave me. And I'm just like, you know, I'm kind of floored. I, I, you know, deer in headlight type of thing. And um, that night, I didn't know what to do with this information. I haven't studied this. So I read every word in that book that they brought home, maybe twice. And then I started going on the internet and researching. The next week, all I did was researched about alternative medicines. What kind of testing can she do? Genetic testing on the tumors. I mean, on and on and on. And when you are in a place of desperation, you know, when, when you just, 
You know, you, you, you can't fix it. You have no answers. You will do almost anything. You know, when you're severely depressed and you just can't see, you know, beyond what's right in front of you, the darkness, you will do almost anything to get relief. When a child is sick, you will do almost anything to help that child, to get some relief, to get answers. You know, in a, in a relationship that is struggling, that is, you know, maybe just turned inside out, you will do almost anything to make it better and to find relief and to just, you know. It, so I, we were seeking God. I was reading everything. I mean, it was just all I could do. Today, I want to read a passage of scripture um, where there's a guy in this passage who is desperate. Absolutely desperate. He has been desperate for 38 years. 38 years. This guy has been looking for healing and he is desperate. If you turn to John 5, 1 through 5. It says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there it is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate. The Sheep Gate was one of the entrances. There was many gates to the city. Sheep Gate was one of the entrances. There was a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida in which is surrounded by five covered porches. So if you can imagine, there's these, these kind of interconnected covered porches and a pool in the middle. This is the kind of drawing that they make now from the ruins. And a pool in the middle that is either filled by a fresh spring or by water from the top and, and can, can continually be filled and cleaned. So there's this pool. Here there are a great number of disabled people who, who used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. 38 years. Man, have you been desperate for something for, for a, a season? Maybe a few months, a year, maybe even multiple years? Can you imagine 38 years? Every day you're in the same place. Just, and the reason he was there is because occasionally it, 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 was, it was told that an angel would come down and stir the pool and those who get in at the right time can find healing. And he was desperate for that. He was there wanting to be healed. And Jesus walks up to him, and this is what Jesus says. I, I love Jesus. He just, he, you know, just states the obvious. It's like, do you even need to ask this question? This is what he asks. Do you want to get well? The guy's been there going to the same place to get some relief for 38 years. He's desperate. Jesus asks him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Why would he ask him that? He wants to see his heart. He wants to see his motivation. He wants to, he wants to state the obvious. Are you desperate? Yes. And Jesus is like, I've got the answer. Jesus heals him. Made him well right there. He got up. Jesus says, get up, take up your mat, 
and go from here. And the normal place he would go would be to the temple. He would, he would go to show what God has done, what, that he is now healed and cleaned and he can, he can worship God. So he's walking along. And he, he, he's confronted by Jewish leaders. Let me read. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am at work. Am I, and, I, and I too am working. It's interesting that this guy picks up his mat and he goes. He's confronted by the Jewish leaders. He tells them what has happened. This guy, he healed me. He told me to pick up, he healed me, and he told me to take my mat. So what did I do? I took my mat. And by taking, walking, by Jesus healing him and him walking with his mat, he was, he, he was breaking the law. He was breaking the Sabbath day, which is holy. And the Jewish people of that time, their immediate reaction was to what? We just saw it. Was to persecute Jesus. He healed the guy. He sent him on his way. And their immediate reaction, this guy's been there 38 years. Everybody knows he's there. Their immediate reaction is to persecute Jesus. And Jesus takes a step back and goes, whoa, hey, hey, whoa, easy. It's not me. Jesus kind of passes the buck, doesn't he? He's like, my father is always at work. All I did was join him in what he's doing. Blame it on God, you know? Blame it on the big man. That wasn't my fault. He's like, hey, slow down. My father is always at work. And it says, for this reason, they tried to kill him. They aimed to kill him. They were threatened. They were angry that he had the gumption to break the Sabbath. Just after that, Jesus says, Jesus, they, they, uh, they confronted him again. They wanted to kill him, and this is his defense. He says, very truly, I tell you this. The son can do nothing by himself. This is his defense. Hey, I can do nothing by myself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. So Jesus' big defense is, hey, it's, can't blame me. I only do what I see my father doing here. And I can only do what he has done. I can only join him in what he's doing. That's all I can do. That's Jesus. That's the Son of God, who in, in the Scripture says that he forsook divinity and became a servant, a man. And in doing that, he then looks for what, what the Father's doing and joins God in what he's doing. These religious leaders, they totally missed it. 
they missed what God was doing right in front of them. Literally, they missed what God was doing right in front of them. A man for 38 years was laying on the ground. These guys knew who he was. He's been there 38 years. This is no, you know, everybody knows that this guy has been there 38 years. He's healed. He gets up. The religious leaders see, the, see him carrying his mat, and they're mad that he's carrying a mat. They're not excited that he got healed. Oh my gosh, 38 years, this guy's walking. Shouldn't they be celebrating? God has done something great right before their eyes. They missed it completely. God's working right there, and they missed it. How often do we miss God working right in front of us? How often do we pass right by what God is doing? How often do we forget to celebrate what God has done? And we focus on all the minutia of our lives. All the, all the, all the things that are, are troubling or all the things that are, we're struggling with. We focus on those and forget that God is at work right in front of us. And that he's doing great things. Religion without love will keep us from partnering with God. Religion without love will keep us from partnering God, with God. These religious leaders missed what God was doing because they didn't have the, that love inside of them. They were too worried about their rules and regulations, about the law. They're too worried that Jesus was doing something outside of what they have prescribed and they missed it. Religion without love will not just lead us to missing God, but will begin to cause us to condemn everybody else around us. They began to condemn Jesus for what he was doing instead of celebrating and joining with God in what he was doing. And Jesus' answer was, hey, the Son of God can do nothing but what he sees the Father doing. He only does what he sees the Father doing. Today I'm going to share with you a simple and profound truth that when embraced can radically change the way you live. I remember the first time I heard this. It was in a Bible study um, at Trinity Church in Dallas, Texas. That's where Amy and I were, went when we were at college and then went on to staff there and we were there for 10 years. Um, early on, it was even in college days, we did this Bible, Bible study called Experiencing God. And this, I will never forget. And this idea has touched tens of thousands of people. This Bible study has been done in so many places and by so many groups in churches. And this concept can radically change the way we live and the way we see what God is doing. And it says, it's this. This is the, the main point of the whole thing. You don't have to do it now. No, actually do it. Experiencing God. It's this. God is always at work around you. God, who created all things, the God of the universe, he is always at work around you. 
He's always working. He's always doing something. He is working in the people's lives that you interact with every day. He's at work. He's moving. He's, he's, he loves them. He's calling them. He's drawing them. He's at work in your marriage that's struggling. He's at work in that relationship, you know, that, where there's been some tension. He's at work in, in your roommate's, you know, issues. He is always at work around you. Here's the question. Will you join him? He's always at work. He's moving. He's working. Will you join him in what he's doing? Or will you miss it and walk right by? That's the question. We have to look for where God is working. He's always at work around you. The scripture is clear that he loves you, he pursues a relationship with you, and he's got plans for you. And that he's moving and working. And then we have to look for it and choose to join him. He invites us to join him into his work. How cool is that? How cool is it that God invites you and I to join him in what he's doing? Does he need us? No. no. <laughs> what, what am I? I mean, seriously, he does not need us. But this is the way he's chosen to work, is through you and me, by joining him in what he's doing. I think that's incredible. That's a miracle. That's what brings excitement to life. It's joining God in what he's doing around us. The key here is that we have a part to play. We have to be intentional about joining God. Being intentional leads to effectiveness. Our intentionality in joining God, us actually looking for what God is doing will bring effectiveness. That's all. I mean, we just have to open our eyes and say, okay, God, I know that you're at work. I know that you're at work. Show me where. I'm looking. You know, you wake up. I'm looking for where you're working in my roommate's life. I'm looking for where you're working in my family's life, in my kids. I'm looking for it in my coworkers. Where are you working? I want to get into that. I want to get right in the middle of what you are doing. I'm going to be intentional. We have to seek God. We have to tell him that we want to be used by him. And then we've got to look for where he is working. It's interesting when I'm sure you've experienced this many times. When, when you're excited about something, for me, it's been a house. Sometimes it's when, you know, you, you, you just love a particular type of car or maybe it's a particular type of shoes or, you know, some, some, some new outfit or whatever it is. But when, you, when you're excited about something or you're, you see it everywhere, it's like that Range Rover, you know, the, with the nice curved back, 
that new Range Rover, that new style, you see it everywhere. You know, all of a sudden, it, it's, it's at every corner. You know, those, those you know, beautiful red shoes. I, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. <laughs> um, you see them everywhere, I'm sure, ladies. But isn't that true? Isn't that true? When we begin to care about what God is doing, when we begin to make that, you know, something that is burning inside of us, something that's right at the top of our mind, we will see God working everywhere. That's the truth. Because he is at work. That's what the scripture says. He's at work. Now, it has to be important to us to join him in what he's doing. And we'll begin to see him everywhere. The fact is, though, that we can't stay where we are and join God in what he's doing. That's right. We can't stay where we are and go with God. That's right. He's at work. He's moving. If we stay still, what happens? He keeps moving. He keeps working. And we miss out. We miss out on the blessing of being able to partner with God. That's what we're talking about, partnering with God. We miss out on the, the life that partnering with God brings. We miss out on the relationships that go deeper that partnering with God brings. We miss out on so much of life when we, when we don't go, take that step of faith and go with God. Because when you partner with God, it is a big step of faith. You've, you've got to actually step to where God is working. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's time-consuming. Sometimes it demands things of us. But we have to choose beforehand, just like in almost all things in life that you want to change. You have to choose beforehand to join him. I don't care what it costs. I'm going to join God. There's one time, I'll never forget this. I was on a... I, I, my parents for graduation gave me a three-month Eurorail pass. Yeah. So I traveled around Europe for five months. You know, who gets to do that? It's crazy. <laughs> traveled around Europe for five months in my early 20s. And um, I went everywhere. I'd jump on the train, you know, at night, um, you know, and not even know basically where I was going. I just needed a night's sleep because I didn't have any money. I was, I was carrying baguettes around with, you know, with peanut butter or, you know, cheese and just slapping it on there and just, you know, eating. I was sleeping on the beach. I was sleeping on the trains. But I, I did a lot. I did a lot of train rides. And sometimes it would just be to go to another city, to walk around all day, explore. I saved all my money to go into museums. Um, and, you know, that's pretty much what I did. So I would get on the train and, and ride it just for hours to get sleep. And one time I was on the train and I'm, I'm riding along and, um, you know, at, uh, during that time I spent a lot of time journaling, a lot of time praying, a lot of time alone. Um, and so I was riding along and there was this guy behind me making a little noise in a wheelchair. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. You know, going back to doing what I was doing. And then I felt that little, you know, prick. You know, God, you know, prick in your heart. Ever, anybody? Little prick? And I thought, 
I'm, on, I'm, on, I'm traveling here, you know? This is my time. And I'm like, oh, man, well, what, do you want, what do you want me to do, God? What do you want me to do? And I felt like God was saying, get up. Get up. Walk over there and pray for the guy. And I, I really sensed, I'll heal him. And I thought, but what if you don't? Anybody, excuses? Bring excuses up all the time? This is what keeps you from pursuing and joining God and what he's doing, is excuses often. I, I started making those excuses. What, but what if he doesn't? But what if you don't? How, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just minding my own business here. That guy's way back there. Have somebody else pray for him, the guy next to him. So I'm making excuses. I'm looking back. And then I, I turn back around and, I, and I, I, you know, I sit there and I just pray. Okay, God. Okay. And I'm just, you know, I'm selfish. That keeps us from pursuing God sometimes. I'm just selfish. I'm being selfish. I don't want to put myself out there. And... I make a decision, I'm going to do this, all right? Here I go. You know, like, I'm somebody. Oh, my gosh. Like, aren't I supposed to be just a servant of God? Just obey what he says? But I, 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 gear, I get myself all worked up. I'm probably sweating. And um, I, I turn around, stand up. The guy's gone. Gone. I missed it. Totally missed it. And from that moment, I told God, I will not... I will not, and here I go again. See, I haven't, I've been up here several times without crying, but here it comes. No, I will not disobey anymore. I will join you in what you're doing. Because, give me a minute. Because I missed an opportunity to know God in a new way. When you join with what God is doing, you begin to know him in a new way. Experiencing God, you experience God not by standing and doing nothing. You experience God by joining him in what he is doing. And when you do that, you begin to know the goodness, the love, and the character of God. If you're feeling dry, or if you're feeling like you haven't heard from God, or your, your relationship with him's a little, you know, damp, you know, a little dry, not damp, dry. <laughs> if you're feeling that, Maybe you need to join God in what he's doing. Step out in faith. Do something with God and you'll experience him. That's where the life and the fullness of God comes is working with God and touching somebody's life, making a difference. It could be just going up and telling somebody that God loves them. It could be giving them a hug. It could, it could be a million things. What is God doing around you that you can get involved in? And you will know God in a new way. You'll experience him, him in a new way. We can't stay here and go with God. James 4, 7 says this, and this is like a dagger in my heart every time I hear this. It says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and does not do it, for them it is sin. I'll just leave that there for a minute. That was sin for me. That was sin. That wasn't a missed opportunity. That was sin. Disobedience. 
And I repented for it. And I'm still frustrated about that. But that's a good frustration. It's something that spurs me on to walk with God closer. It's something that, it's, it's not condemnation. It's, you know, um, it's something that, that causes me to want to get involved with God even more. If we are going to walk with God, we have to get up. We have to move. We cannot stay where we are. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you. How incredible is that? That you're God's creation. You are made for good works, and he has prepared them in advance for you. He's al he already got them ready for you. Now you just got to join him in it. You're his child. He loves you. He's called you according to his purposes. Often we miss this because of those things I mentioned that, you know, we, we feel like we might be embarrassed. We feel like, you know, maybe God won't show up, but what will happen? Or a myriad of other things. We have to choose now. You have to choose now that you'll join God. Choose now to look for where God is working and get involved with that. Often we lie to ourselves. Don't, do you ever, you have those things in, inside where, you know, those excuses come up and you just begin lying to yourself about who you are. God says that he has created you for good works, that you are his child Often we tell ourselves when God's doing something, oh, you can't use me. I love what, what Jennifer said today. She talked about how at the conference somebody came up and asked her to pray for her, pray, pray Jennifer to pray for her. And she thought to herself first, well, I, I don't, I don't. But she said, okay, I'll pray for you. And God showed up and touched not only the girl she was praying for, but touched her. That was her testimony, that God did something in her life. When you choose to join God, he will change you. He will move in your life. He will touch other people's lives and he will move in your life. Here's the truth. You are under no obligation to continue to be the person you were five minutes ago. Maybe five minutes ago, What was I saying five minutes ago? Maybe right then, you're thinking to yourself, I can't do that. Maybe five minutes ago, you never would have considered stepping out and doing something that, that would put you in a situation that you could be embarrassed or rejected. Maybe five minutes ago, you were the type of person who would say, somebody else can join God in what he's doing. I'm just gonna stay by myself and, and my faith is my faith. I don't ever need to share it with anybody else around me. Maybe that was you. You can choose right now to be somebody different. That's the truth. You are a child of God. He has created you for good works. You do not have to be the same person you were five minutes ago. You can choose right now 
to be different, to walk different, to, to look for where God is working and join him in what he's doing. When you do, you'll experience God in a whole new way, at a whole new level. You will know him more intimately than you've ever known him before. What I love about joining God in what he's doing is that when you do it, your hands really become like the hands of God. You know, hands of healing, hands of mercy, hands of encouragement. And when you do that, it, it just brings so much life into yours. And you get to be an agent. It's not you. You don't do really anything. But you get to be an agent of change in somebody's life. You get to be the person maybe who carries the good news to somebody for the first time. Or for the first time, you know, you get to go and pray for somebody who is desperate. And they're just like, hey, if they're Christian or non-Christian, people love to be prayed for. They, they're so grateful when you just, with sincere heart, pray for them. You get to be that person who prays for somebody. And you see God begin to, to touch them and to work in them. And you never know what will happen. Here's how it works. We respond to the call of Jesus to follow him. We look for where God is working in other people's lives because he is always at work. And then we choose to get up and to join him in what he's doing. It's not about us. It doesn't matter if you're gifted at it or not. If God is working, you could join him. You could choose to join him. And then we present the same call that Jesus presented to us, to them. Why don't you follow Jesus? Follow God. Follow Jesus with your life. I'm sure everybody's got this verse memorized. Matthew 4, 19. We've been going over it for the last month. It says, Jesus said, come and follow me. That's the call for us, to follow him. And I will make you fishers of men. I will teach you to fish. And that's what we're called to do, to go to look for what God is doing and to call others to follow Jesus. It's simple. Often we make it so hard. We put these huge hurdles in front. We make excuses really, it's not hard. I wrote this down. Say something like this. I feel like God wants me to tell you that he loves you and he is saying to not give up. You know, that he loves you and he, he's got a plan for you. He's saying, don't give up. You know, somebody's struggling, that would be encouraging. Because that's not weird. That's just encouraging then you can ask if they respond. Hey, can I pray for you? Do you have a church you, you go to? Would you want to go to our life group? It's simple. It's not complex. It's really simple. Just if, if we're heartfelt and we tell somebody 
to not give up, that God loves them. That'll be received well. Maybe they won't respond, but it will be received well. We can all do that. We can all look for what God is doing. Step out and join him. God desires that all would come to know him, that all would follow after him. We are supposed to take the gift that God has given us and pass it on. And when we do that, that gift grows both in us and in those around us. And that's the gift of life. That's the gift of knowing, partnering, and walking with our Savior Jesus.